A key component of the modern world economy, the chemical industry delivers products and innovations to enhance everyday life. It is also an industry in transformation, where chemical executives and workers are delivering growth and industry-changing advancements while responding to pressures from investors, regulators, and public opinion. Discover how leading companies are approaching these challenges here on The Chemical Show. Join Victoria Meyer, president of Progressio Global and host of The Chemical Show, as she speaks with executives across the industry and learns how they are leading their companies to grow, transform, and push industry boundaries on all frontiers. Here's your host, Victoria Meyer. Hi, I'm Victoria Meyer. Welcome to The Chemical Show. This week, I am speaking with John Foley, who is CEO of Verdant Specialty Solutions. John and I spoke about a year ago, right when Verdant was starting, and he's back to give us a one-year anniversary update on his company, and we'll be getting into that more. So, John, welcome to The Chemical Show. Thank you, Victoria. So, when we talked a year ago, Verdant had just formed, and you had a lot of big plans. How has the year played out? We've had highlights and lowlights, but overall, it's been a lot of fun. It's a lot of work. And we've made some important progress in creating that great place to work, especially chemical company for our team. So I'm excited about the future. Happy to share, update on what we plan. Yeah, that's awesome. So what's been the biggest surprise? Maybe I'm just going to start there. What has been the biggest surprise in starting up this company? Yeah, it's a good question. And I think looking back a year ago, I was really excited about the strategy. I mean, we are targeting the middle market, especially batch manufacturing, kind of the big company standards, small company feel and focus on growth. So we started with the acquisition of the Solve Amphoteric Surfactants business, including assets US, UK, Germany. I think one of the key learnings for me, I had never done it before, was starting a business with a corporate carve-out. And what that entailed was we bought products, we bought customers, and we brought manufacturing assets, a lot of great people in the plants, just a few commercial business people, but no back office. So we were still tethered to the former owner's Solve via temporary service agreements, TSAs. And that posed more challenge than I would have anticipated, both in that working relationship, because it's a key one, there's still our back office provider, in being able to recruit and build a team to eventually stand on our own. And then some of the challenges of not being in full control of your data or your system. And in an environment where we had explosive changes, right, or COVID, raw material inflation, logistics challenges and good data equals good decisions. And we had some real pain that we had to recover from. So I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's interesting. I think that's until you've lived through it, that lack of control of your business processes that are all about how you invoice customers, how you receive payment, how you pay your employees, how you label your products, and then how you manage all the data that goes along with your business, it's almost unimaginable because we're so inside of a company, you're so used to having that. And I think in the chemical industry, especially, we don't outsource much of that work area. So it's hard to imagine having to work through a third party for that. 
Yeah. And it's two key things that one for me, it's one and done because I never want to start another company doing it this way. Uh, <laughs> Lesson <so> learned. <laughs> but the other parts of it, a couple of interesting things. We did have some painful experience managing our margins with insufficient data that we had to adapt and correct. But the funny thing, every time I go to all of our sites quarterly, as we build culture, build team, and the universal question that everybody asked me is, why are you hiring so many people in Houston? And I think we onboarded 20 people in Q1. We have another 11 that we're onboarding in April. And not all are in Houston in the back office, but it's an unappreciated part of the three-legged stool. I mean, you have your manufacturing assets. That's the heart of the chemical, uh, what we do, right? Transform, use products. You have your commercial teams and the people in the plants generally understand we need salespeople and business people. But when they see us hiring back office people, it's like, why are you hiring so many back office people? They should be in the plants or they should be other places. So I have to explain to them that no, the back office is an essential part but usually it's invisible and it works pretty well. So that we take it for granted. So that has been a challenge, but essential to get the platform ready for year two. Got it. You've already mentioned that you've been hiring a lot of people. So when you started this, essentially you started without a business team, if I'm correct, right? So you started with manufacturing people, but really without your leadership and commercial and business team around you. Yeah. And we did have some important key business and technical people come over from the Solve acquisition, but it was lean and we had to immediately start to hire some additional resources, commercial and and technical. But it was on the lean side. We knew we were going to have to recruit the C-suite and then the supporting roles. And that, that was a journey all by itself and really a tight talent market. And we're a brand new company. I mean, we had to kind of brand that, and market that to get our talent. But the other piece that we did just to make it a little bit more challenging is we immediately made additional acquisitions. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So most people try to get their business sorted out before they start acquiring new companies. And you acquired, what, two companies within a very short amount of time? Why? What prompted you to do that? Yeah, well, the answer is because it was always part of our strategy. When we were together a year ago, it was our intent to make add-on acquisitions. Yep. So we signaled that. Probably the other piece, though, is we have great support of our investors. And they very supportive to make the investments to stand up the company and get it running. They also are keenly interested. It was part of the business plan to acquire companies. And I think maybe I was a little insecure there. I thought maybe they thought I wasn't working on it enough. So I made a few phone calls right as we were closing on the deal with Solve. I made three phone calls and we ended up buying two out of the three businesses. So it just happened. So I started. And then once we got into the process and we closed on DeForest Surfactants, mid-July. So just a couple months later. And then we had the Bayes chemical business under LOI. People were asking, John, we're absolutely going to support you on this if you want to do it, but is now the right time? And by then my answer was sort of, well, not really, but we've already started and these fit perfectly with what we want to build. So yes, we have to finish it. And so we finished them. We closed on Bayes in October 1st. And then my attention turned firmly towards making sure we build, construct the company 
is what I say. We construct the back office, the processes, and get things set up to run. And that is our number one priority today. I mean, for sure to finish that. So how are you approaching that? Because, I mean, I think there's a lot of different ways. Are you adopting the business processes from one of the companies in order to create that platform across Verdant? Are you starting from scratch? How do you approach that when you have no back office (laughs) And people have been doing business for a long time, obviously, but you're starting from scratch. Yeah, I think a couple of key elements that I really focus on. One was team. I mean, recruiting the right leadership team that is experienced in not just working in a company with great processes and keeping processes running. We have to keep our business running while we actually recruit and construct a back office. So the profile of the leadership is really critical. We have to have people who have those skills and or that we know each other and trust each other enough to build it out. So that was the first part really to get right. The second, I tell the three businesses teams that we have because they still operate fairly autonomously because we haven't been able to integrate the systems and where it goes is that we will not create systems that look like Solvays and we will not create systems that look like Pace Chemical. So it's going to change for everybody. And we have to come up with our own model on how we manage this to operate to big company standards, safety, compliance, reliability, productivity, while still keeping the speed and focus on growth and team that the small companies have. So we're finding our way through that. The first big project that we're about to implement is we have to implement our own ERP system. So right now we're on a schedule to implement that for the Solvay business on June 1st. And then we'll roll in the DeForest business. And then we'll take three or four months before we roll in the Bayes business. So that's really a critical event that's right in front of us now. Yeah, very close. And yeah, and ERP implementations are never easy. Yes. Even for stable companies with teams for stable companies. Yeah. You know, I give a lot of credit and try and really support the team right now. Our CFO, we hired a great one in Shereen Greer. She's been through this and she's in charge of that implementation. But in the plants and our customer service, our supply chain teams, I have a lot of sympathy for them right now and support because we all know the challenge it is to get the right raw materials at the right time line up the logistics, they don't have easy jobs today. And then on top of that, they have the new company culture and implementation, but so far so good. And the cutover is scary, right? That's a scary moment. I know a company I worked with (laughs) years ago that they discovered they hadn't invoiced anyone for like six weeks or two months or something. It's like, whoa, holy cow, no wonder we have no cash. Because if there's no invoice, they can't pay you and you can't pay anyone. And it was frankly a glitch in the system and in the changeover from one to the other that wasn't thought through, trained properly, what have you. And these things get resolved, but you hope you don't have those major glitches. Yeah, no, and you know, we have enough self-awareness that we delayed the implementation because a couple of the work streams weren't where we wanted them to be. But there's always that risk and it will be difficult, right? I mean, there's no easy way about it. My mother-in-law is visiting now. She just got a new uh, iWatch or whatever they call it. I said, you just have to keep struggling. After a few days, you'll get it. And the ERP implementation to me is 
similar. Hopefully it's that level of complexity, but. So I think one of the things that strikes me with what you're doing with Verdant and first the carve out and now acquiring two new businesses is really a significant amount of change. And it's a significant amount of change for the people inside the companies. And then it's a significant amount of change for your customers and for your suppliers. What's been the reception? Maybe let's first start with the employee point of view. How have your employees embraced this change? Yeah, that's a good question. I think as I go around, because it's important to me to spend time with them, and there's some universal issues that they share with me, like compensation in an inflationary environment and the right support. But it varies a bit depending on which business we bought. But I would say they're all anticipating change and they want change in most cases. So the vision of what we're creating, big company standards, small company focus, more of a work family type environment, I think is appealing to them. But then we haven't been able to move as quick as some of them would want us to. And I was at our base site in Palestine, Texas, a couple months ago. And one, I love that they are very open. All of our employees share a lot. But they were sharing that, hey, you've owned us now three or four months, and we were expecting more things to change sooner. And we're kind of excited about it. We expect it to change. So really, we probably had too much focus to construct the inner workings of the company, which is essential and not enough bringing the change to our employees and to the market. Those are the two areas I wish we could accelerate more. I think both groups are looking for the promise of what is Verdant to really unfold and have it come. The other part for our employees, I think many of them are excited about. I mean, we have 300, 320 employees now, so I can't speak for every one of them. And when they hear this, somebody will argue with me. But I think The real opportunity of what we're creating is when you build something from scratch and all the processes, the learning opportunities are just enormous. Because I started my chemical career at Monsanto, which I'm not sure if any part of Monsanto is still around, but it was truly a great company for me to start with. Clean processes, clear strategy, well-executed. And I felt blessed I started there, but the rest of my career has always been in businesses that need to be improved or need to be improved more than Monsanto. And all my learnings really came from being put in those situations. So now we have people who are joining us who are excited to be able to really leverage their skills and get involved and really shape a company and do things differently. We had a great story of a big screw up that we fixed that we just celebrated because Are you willing to share it with us? Well, yeah. And since it's just you and me talking, I can share it. The raw material inflation, we had focus on getting the right price all the way through the quarter by quarter, month by month, but we didn't have the right data and we didn't have the right processes on the business. So Q4, we increased prices, but not enough to cover the energy and raw material and logistics costs. So it was a difficult quarter for us with one of our businesses in particular. But when we saw that, the systems and the processes that we inherited weren't going to fix the problem. So we recruited some people I've worked with before we got in. We basically went created Excel-based cost models. We got the inputs. We got the estimates and made a massive improvement 
to get back towards sustainable margins in Q1. Now, in a typical company, I think, and I saw some of this, people would have been sitting around saying, well, it'll all work after the finance team has the cost right and purchasing's updated it and it spits out of this beautiful system and tells me what to price for. That wasn't our reality. It was a guerrilla war that we had to start on November 11th and get ready for December 1st to change our prices. And team of 10 or 15 people got together, worked every day and took the challenge and implemented successfully. Now, what we had to build isn't what we want at all. Right. But the opportunity to do that kind of work, work as a team, solve a problem, and then see the value. We have many examples like that in the company. That's awesome. We're proud of. So. And it is, I think, and that ties back to your earlier point of one of the challenges when you're still relying on your predecessor company for the back office, you don't have clarity of data. You maybe don't have the data flow that you need. And, you know, let's be honest, this happens in companies that own their back office. This is unfortunately not unique. I know of examples where companies have had these oops in the systems because something is broke, the ownership of who's inputting data or using the data or whatever. But it's the complexity of it when you're working through a third party is much more challenging. Yeah, because they don't care as much. I mean, frankly, it is what it is. You know, one of the businesses, we get a data download once a month with our customer product level margin data. So it isn't enough to really monitor and drive. But to paraphrase Mr. Rumsfeld from a while ago, you go to war with the data you have, not the data you want. Right. And one of the challenges in our industry, we have very, very talented people in the chemical industry and technically trained, right? Chemical engineers, CPAs that love precision of data. And I would say many of them need precision of data to make decisions. And while it's critical for safety and compliance issues with business, you don't always have all the facts, right? And getting people comfortable to move forward with what we have, not with what we want. is it? Yeah, that's funny. It calls to mind one of my kids when she was younger and working through some math stuff that was a lot around rounding and estimating. And I remember saying, when am I ever going to use this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, every day. That's the real skill. The precision is awesome. And our school system measures on precision, but I'm like, but the estimating, being able to just kind of put it together and say, oh yeah, that sounds about right. It's a skill. And being able then to take a decision based on close enough. Yeah. And for our model, specialty batch manufacturing, where we have seven sites today, I'd like to have 15, 20 sites, a really complex business. We're not going to have a model that captures all the products, all the customers. So really depend on a team of people who know each other, trust each other, know the model and can do that and make those decisions. So it's yeah. good. So what's been the market reception? We've kind of covered some of the internal and the business opportunities and challenges, but how has the market received Verdant in its new form? not just the Solve piece, but the Bayes and the DeForest piece in one, both from a customer and a supplier perspective? Well, I think it's probably too early to fully appreciate it. Even after a year, I would say, I think predicting the future, they're going to be very happy and very supportive and like our model. I see indications of that. But first, as a new company, if you're a supplier, right, you're always curious about who are these people? Will they be a good customer? 
will their processes run, all those. So dealing with that and establishing the identity and the trust with the supplier base is important. And we've made progress there and continue to. It helps. On the customer end, I think some of our larger customers have expressed really support for the strategy of, you know, specialty batch, which is typically many more small companies practice batch, but there's a clear need for it. And then being able to do it to large company standards and the people and the programs that they see we're implementing, I think is intriguing for them. And some of our distribution partners, some of our large partners, they've expressed support for it, but we really haven't been able to fully exploit it yet because of our inward focus. So I think curious and how to align and where these things go and really where we need to start the shift. We get the company constructed, we get these businesses integrated, and I insist and intend to really direct my focus more externally and the companies to solve them problems and create value. Right. And in fact, to me, it's the alignment and the harmonization of the customer experience that your customers get. Know that they're doing business with Verdant. Yeah. And that Verdant is bringing something unique and differentiated and valuable to them becomes critical because that's where ultimately you create value and you create loyalty and you can maximize your business opportunities. Yeah. And that's where we need to work and make sure we have that verdant culture and model finish the creation and bring it to life. But that said, in our markets, they are quite fragmented. I mean, in the oil field production, chemicals business we have, in West Texas or in Louisiana, those customers in many cases are quite different than multinational consumer product companies on you know, what they need, how they like to buy and what the experience. So I think the core, we have to be good and fast. I yeah. mean, we want to be responsible, but have the right products at good prices. And I think we're building the momentum to be able to do that. That's awesome. But I, I clearly have not spent enough time with customers in my year one. I mean, I am a customer guy and my people person, I think, is the way I like to lead. But most of my time is spent with our teams and bringing them together. And we need to unleash our energy externally. Yeah. And I think that's probably pretty typical. I mean, almost to be expected, particularly because of the combination of three companies effectively, as opposed to just one. If it was one, it would be a little bit simpler and smoother for you to be able to carve out time to get external but with bringing in the three teams together, it, it requires different priorities. Yeah. Although you got to keep the customers happy. Otherwise you have no business. So. Yeah. And I think we've been competing well, our businesses, and certainly in Q1, I think I was very happy. We delivered our objectives, financial objectives in Q1 and saw progress versus Q1 last year when we didn't own any of these businesses, by the way but they were still benefiting from the post-COVID demand and particularly cleaning products. So we've had a nice progression now, and I was really happy for the team and for myself. It's always happier when you deliver your objectives. And, but yeah. of course, now we're in Q2. So Yeah, absolutely. So let's just talk about what's on deck for year two. So you guys are about to celebrate your one-year anniversary as a company. What's yeah. on deck for year two? Thank you for that. And we are organizing our year one anniversary parties at every site, or I like to say our birthday party because we were born on May 1st last year. 
But yeah, as we look at next year, there's a few key kind of big priorities. And one, really continuing to strengthen the team and learning how to work together. I think that while being safe and compliant, those are the strategic levers that we have. So we're still doing a lot of recruiting to bring in and get the resources that are required. But then the projects, the ERP implementation, which starts in Q2 is critical. And if we only achieve one big thing in Q1, it's going to be to get that system launched and working because it supports so many other activities. But then externally, I think there's a number of growth projects. And just to hit on a few of them, one is this customer focus and focus on new customers as well. And particularly in the former McIntyre business, the business we acquired from Solvay, we have a big push to increase our new product introductions, more formulations, resurrecting some old products that have been phased out, and a strong focus on tier two and distribution. We're fairly concentrated with the large global companies, but we want to restart that speed of the customer culture that this business had at its roots. Probably the second largest lever we have and the ones our investors are most excited about is the opportunity to lever up the asset we acquired in Palestine, Texas, making ethylene oxide, propylene oxide derivatives. And this is a site with good bones. It's a relatively new plant focused on small batch, specialty, very small batch specialty products. We're growing our tolling business up there because there's a lot of demand showing up at the door, people who want us to make their products for the drivers the industry is facing. But we also want to launch our own products. And we will start doing that. Verdant branded products up there, we're preparing to launch. But to do that, we have a lot to do to get the human capital, quantity and the competencies at that site. We need to invest some capital to de-bottleneck the plant. The reactor capacity is there, but the ancillary storage, reactor charging, packaging, rail loading, unloading. We need more. So we're working on small projects up there to do that. And then the community and stakeholder support. We think that site will play a key part in what we see as a long-term consolidation to the Gulf Coast and more of the specialty batch products have yet to consolidate. So we intend to help the industry get that done. Very excited about that. And the third one is we're about ready to start looking for additional acquisitions that make sense for this business. And I think my job kind of is starting to be liberated as we have the team and the ERP being implemented, the basic operating system. And I think we're going to have the capacity. We're going to have the machine that then we can look at value-added acquisitions that can fit into our business and our model. I think there's a lot of small to medium-sized businesses out there that maybe have a generational change that they need to make, ownership, or they need to attach to different manufacturing assets, or including more carve-outs as the large companies look at their portfolios and they have product lines that don't fit for them. Now that we have a structure, I hope we can find some of those. That's never overnight. Typically, it, it takes a while, but I want to get back in that game you know, where it goes. So yeah, that's really exciting. Well, great. Well, John, it sounds like it has been a really good year for you and for Verdant. And I'm really glad that you were able to share that with us. 
Thank you very much. It was a great year. Sometimes I thought there's easier ways to make a living, but I'm not sure there's more fun ways to make a living for me. It's been a lot of fun, a lot of great people supporting us and uh, appreciate the opportunity to share our story. Absolutely. Thank you. So thanks, Sean, for joining us. And thanks everyone for listening to this episode of The Chemical Show. Please make sure you like, listen, share, and follow us on your favorite podcast app. Thanks. Thank you. We've come to the end of today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed your time with us and want to learn more. Simply visit thechemicalshow.com for additional information and helpful resources. Join us again next time here on The Chemical Show with Victoria Meyer.